talked about the movies that scared me. Now I'm going to talk about the movies that scared you. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about movies that scared y'all and uh, by y'all i mean people who responded when i asked what are some movies and scenes that scared you so there are uh, i got a lot of responses to this so i'm going to try to go through as many of them as i possibly can and i'm going to skip around to uh, back and forth because uh, i posted in two places both my personal account and the the movie group account and yeah i got a lot of great responses so and you'll have a bunch of new movies to check out or think about going forward so here we go all right so the first one comes from brian and for for brian uh, he mentioned two incidents he said one the ending of eden lake which is kind of a uh, i don't know how else to describe it it's kind of like this um, hostage slasher type thing where uh, a couple are being pursued by a bunch of like nasty teens and the ending is particularly grim <laughs> so that one's pretty good uh, because it's kind of one of those misdirects and it's generally rough and he also said that there was uh, there was something about M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit and in particular just one scene where the grandmother crawled out of the room he said freaked me out and said i i don't think it was the parent thing uh sorry it was just frightening in some sort of primal way like i knew something was wrong and i would say that that's something that a lot of good horror movies do really well is that they just present you an image of somebody not behaving inhumanly is probably the best way to put it and so yeah i i agree that that in particular incident like i said i don't think the visit is that strong but overall pretty solid all right, moving over to friend Hillary, who said uh, the net with Sandra Bullock is that the movie made me so nervous and bad stuff just kept happening. So the net is this mid 90s thriller that has no idea how the Internet works, despite being about that. <laughs> and, but the reason it's so effective is that basically Sandra Bullock is being pursued by this this guy and so it's it's this very tense cat and mouse game and it feels like the world is just out of her control so while i definitely said it's an unexpected choice i completely get it especially if you've ever been in a situation where you feel like people are watching your every move so that's that's one um and then we move on to hunter who said uh, the chair turn in psycho did it for me and i said it's a classic for a reason and the chair turn in Psycho, it's, I'm giving, I'd be giving away the end of the movie, but basically it's a reveal and the reveal of what it is indicates something that the audience, unless you, unless you're familiar with the movie already, has no idea, what's, has no idea. And so it reshifts your entire view of what's happened up until this point. And then you're like, oh, something way creepier is wrong here. <laughs> so it's a very good, it's, it's effectively a jump scare from a Hitchcock movie. I know a lot of people are like, well, he just, you know, Hitchcock's above jump scares. No, he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> he, he made movies to entertain people. That was what he did. So he made scary movies. And then uh, my friend Lauren, who was on the show to talk about book adaptations not too long ago, said, I saw the original Halloween movie when I was 14, and I slept in my mom's bed for a month <laughs> after that. So 
I think I think that you know what's interesting is that I asked if she's been able to rewatch it since she said she was and then it was okay. I think the thing about Halloween and movies like that, especially it's, it really all depends on the age and how it hits you. And I think, and I'd be curious, I'd want to ask her more, but I'd say something like if you were a teenage babysitter and the idea of you having to be responsible for young children as this killer comes and tries to slash you up with a knife and nobody's responding and the police can't help you and all of this and kind of just being alone in your house with the killer yeah, that's a terrifying notion, uh, especially when you see that this thing will also pursue kids. So yeah, I can completely see why that would do that to somebody. And so like I said, as an adult, you know, you have the context of either knowing what the mask is based on, she said watching it, knowing it was a Kirk mask or something like that helped. And but there's all sorts of stuff. And you don't know that in the moment. And then but yeah, so Halloween is is the classic for is the classic slasher for or at least a sla- classic American slasher for a reason, just because it's very simple but also very creepy and effective and kind of captures this notion of your quiet suburbia being invaded by a malevolent force. All right, and then uh, my friend from college, Mike, uh, said wait until dark. He said the music creeped me out, and Audrey Hepburn and Alan Arkin were superb casting. Now. A lot of people may not know about Wait Until Dark. Wait Until Dark is a movie made in 1967. And Aubrey Hepburn plays a blind woman who uh, there is a guy who's like creeping around her house. And basically, and so it's kind of a cat and mouse game, but she can't see. And her pursuer, played by Alan Arkin, can. And so the finale are is really tense. And then... The second one is The Road, and it's just because it's just bleak, or at least in my, and he said, at least in my opinion, super realistic end of time scenario. And The Road is so tense because it is just this stare into the abyss. (laughs) And in particular, basically every interaction with other humans feels like it could turn, but you don't know how, like either maybe these people want to eat you. Maybe these people have other intentions for you. Maybe these people, you know, you don't know. So try- so actually finding anybody who might be not, not helpful, finding anybody who might be helpful seems unrealistic. You know, resources are so sparse that everybody is being so, so ridiculous. So it's, it's pretty, it's, it, it is pretty grim, and so I think in that regard, if you th- view it as kind of a view of the future, it is very scary. All right, S- shifting over to my cousin Nora, who said, uh, I saw Hereditary in the theaters, and I felt like I was in the room with the characters. It's a really effective movie. And I said, that one crept inside me and hasn't left. It's truly frightening. Um, Hereditary is one of those movies that I, like I said, even though I know it's going to happen, it just ugh, it just sits in my head all the time because the imagery is so potent but also just it's so much pain on screen and you just feel it and you feel this tension and this pain and sometimes it just does it to fake you out and it's just so punishing so that by the end it almost feels like a release but it's not really at the same time so that's and then um of course it's from Ari Aster who went on to make Midsommar because he likes uh movies that handle trauma or at least handle uh, trauma through the lens of horror let's see and then uh we go on to frat brother sans who said as a ch- child i saw first saw gremlins 2 and thought the original gremlins would be quirky lighthearted, a little weird but oh no gremlins ones terrified me as a child and it's interesting that he picked that one because gremlins along with indiana jones and the temple of doom is the reason that the pg-13 movie exists because 
it's not so terribly violent that you know you know a teenager couldn't watch it but it's definitely not kid friendly nor is uh, nor is the temple of doom where they take out a dude's beating heart and so essentially many people have joked that steven spielberg is the reason we have a that middle range of which is now the range the most profitable range by far for movies which is pg-13 so you can present a lot of you know you can have a lot of action on screen you can have some you know implied sexuality on screen but you kind of keep you know you kind of keep things you know so you can kind of scare people a little bit if you want to but nothing too over the top so uh, as always the mpaa is mercurial well not mercurial they're restrictive in ways that don't make any sense but um gremlins one definitely you know especially the idea that your childhood little thing could turn into a monster and try to eat your family that's always a bit rough and then uh moving over to another college of worcester grad uh, maggie who said uh took me uh my dad and uncle took me to see jurassic park 2 um which is lost world i would have been 10 or 11 i don't remember at what part i went to the bathroom and hid for a bit uh, but the movie there now is still something that makes me feel like a scared kid. And what's interesting is that obviously that's not the one. I, I had a similar feeling watching the original Jurassic Park. And what's interesting is that the second Jurassic Park it actually has more, like, both movies feature children in danger a whole lot. So it's definitely one that will, you know, stick with you in that regard because, you know, constantly kids in danger. I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure the, yeah, the Lost World opens with kids uh, potentially being mauled by tiny velociraptors. So that's pretty rough. That's a pretty rough opening. And uh, that's not fun. And then over here we have uh, friend Jonah Comstock uh, said, also said double down on gremlins, but uh, also said that spir bits of Spirited Away and uh which is the Hayao Miyazaki uh, and so by some by some for some people it is the peak of Hayao Miyazaki's work spirited away and he said this like uh, it's all truly creepy more so because you're not watching a horror movie so you're not mentally prepared for it and I think and I think Hayao Miyazaki movies a plenty of them have very terrifying things I think especially for something like spirited away which is has a pg rating doesn't seem like it'll be that bad but there's a lot of implied horrible stuff and how is not one to skirt away from very violent and very kind of not immersive but kind of just kind of transgressive imagery uh for for those of you who know his work from princess mononoke is a very good example where there's just like a lot of stuff that's like technically not gory but it looks way worse <laughs> so that that could that could definitely happen a lot so i completely understand that one jonah uh, Amanda said, uh, Amanda said Oculus had freaked me out on uh, the entire drive home. It was a mindfuck of it. Um, that's an early Mike Flanagan movie, which is about an evil mirror. And it actually works really well because it warps people's realities and what they're able to perceive and not to perceive. So that is, uh, for me, that is one that always messes with me. And I think it's the idea of something messing with your reality, with your vision, with your perception is the creepiest part. That's you know and, and then it's kind of this idea of like oh things can just happen and you don't actually know what happened like you lose time you lose space that's ugh, i hate that especially as i get especially as i get older like the notion that i wouldn't know what i was doing is very difficult so um jason said the flashback scene in the secret of nim where we see the rats being experimented on um there was a lot of and then mentioned that a lot of kids movies were like this uh don bluth movies in particular did this all the fucking time <laughs> they, they had a lot of terrifying things uh, they showed dogs getting killed and all dogs go to heaven uh, but yeah and so The Secret of Nim uh, definitely a very intense movie the rat, some of the rats are very uh, 
uh, gross and very difficult and obviously seeing the rats being experimented upon which means you should also never watch the plague dogs which somehow got a proof or watership down which are both apparently for all audiences but they shouldn't be because they're traumatizing uh, because you're seeing either rabbits like mash each other to death or like smoosh each other to death or uh, you know dogs or dogs being experimented upon which is terrifying but yeah 80s animation is a coin flip between like oh it's very light and actually no they're all they all start looking light and then they all blow up into something just horrifying let's see here and then we have now emily who said uh watching training day was really tense and then would rather said she would rather watch the exorcist and silence of the lambs and i think that and for me, at least, the thing that is interesting about that one is that I certain thrillers can really get under your skin based on the premise and the tension within it. And I think that's something that Emily's kind of that Emily and some other folks in the comments touched on, which is that Denzel Washington in that movie is just so unpredictable and tense and malevolent that it's really hard to get a read on him. And that part is unsettling, and that makes the entire movie just kind of uh, just a rock polisher of, of an experience. Uh, Paul agreed with my earlier episode and said, The Ring freaked me out. And I said uh, that was one of my first scary movies in the theater. Um, obviously, any time that somebody's being pursued by our uh, demonic girl from the well is never good. Um, moving on to my, my buddy Ben, who said when I was younger, Battle Royale kept me up super late multiple times. Just stressed out about the idea of having to kill friends or have them kill me. And it said, don't read the manga. It's really graphic. Don't worry, I won't. But yeah, Battle Royale is terrifying, not just because it is this idea. It's, it is this Hunger Games style, um, you know, kids having to kill each other for basically for punishment. It's not even like for the illusion of sport. It's actually much more egregious and they like going at each other with katanas and and automatic weapons and stuff like that or being blown up so it is just it's even worse because (laughs) it's even worse than hunger games but it's also because all of these people actually know each other it's just a single class and so yeah the concept alone is very terrifying especially if you watch it as a teenager uh, my cousin Calvin said Ghost Ship is one of the first horror movies I intentionally watched. It is It hits the most pillars of horror, supernatural, grotesque, suspense, and it's still, uh, still a favorite horror movie. Um, Ghost Ship in particular, I think, has one of the most memorable opens uh, because it involves a wire, and uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to tell you. But it is one of the most memorable openings to a horror movie I can remember. I can't say that it's, it's really in my foundation, but that particular scene is really, really good and terrifying and gross so all right moving over to my friend angela who said uh we watched a thing for the first time pretty late uh the ending made me freak out as it's essentially a cliffhanger which is true um so i said that there's a couple fun things is that another movie on this list features uh halloween actually features the movie that this is based on but i completely agree that uh the reason that the thing is so terrifying is that is because it can take human forms and so you, it is impossible to tell just based on sight whether or not somebody is whether or not somebody is this alien that will attempt to absorb you, kill you, and absorb you, and then keep going. So that's really really terrifying. And the creature designs in that film are so good and so grotesque and creepy and have weird teeth and look like bugs and they're awful. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there you go. And then shifting over to another friend from college, Stephanie, who said, I just remember seeing the trailer for Bram Stoker's Dracula in the second half. Uh, the second giant bat creature on, was on screen long enough to give me a little nightmare. And the opening credits of the X-Files when the ghost walks down the stairs scared me too. Uh, I can't say that did it for either one of me, but I will say that a lot of uh, the vampires, like the the giant bats are actually more creepy than the vampires. Because the vampires look human and they might have fangs or they might have stuff in their face. Uh, which is why stuff like any sort of variation on that like the creepy uh opening jowls in the for the vampires in blade 2 is so effective because it's like okay we get it vampires are gonna take your blood and then, oh my god what is that and it has a t- uh, it has a tongue so that one's pretty rough and then moving over to last two now this one's from deanna she says it's not my friend but a friend in high school actually buried his copy of the ring in his mother's flower pot because it terrified him so much uh that's fantastic uh i I, I think, I, I honestly, if you're going by the lore of the ring, you have to distribute it uh, to save yourself. So I'm not sure. Hopefully that friend is okay. And then uh, her story was, said, as a child, the dragon scene from Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, there's some terrifying stuff in early Disney movies. Like, uh, if you ever think about how uh, the big scene where the uh, witch is pursued in Snow White, like, that's a good example. Really terrifying. And then the fast, final one comes from Natasha, who says the shower scene from The Grudge. Uh, I didn't shower for a week because... I didn't need some ghost hand helping me lathering my head and uh, the TV and the ring again. My generation just the ring did something to us and we're not the same. We may have killed VHS on purpose. Um, and the, the ring has ruined the sound of TV static or looking at a blank screen or turned off TV for me forever. And yeah, the grudge is good. Yeah, because that one scene where she reaches back and there's another hand and that is. Yeah, I think a lot of horror movies pull out something by this idea, not necessarily that you're being watched, but that something is with you when you're where you're most vulnerable. So thank you to everybody who responded. I, I answered, I tried to respond, I responded to every single one of them. So thank you so much. And I will let you know once this episode's out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time, everybody. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.